Have you ever wanted to take a deeper look into what makes Northridge tick? Like where we come from, what we believe, why we do what we do, and where we're going in the future? Then come to Discover Northridge on Friday, January 19th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. This is the ultimate Northridge crash course, and dinner and childcare are provided. So come on in, relax, and learn about all that God has done and is doing here at Northridge. Register online at northridgechurch.com discover. Hey, Northridge family. I'm so glad you're here this weekend. And I, I just have to tell you about this special event that's coming at the end of January. As a pastor, obviously I live to see people finally wake up to Jesus and connect with him and experience their life changing. And, and for me, when it becomes most real in a person's life is when they're, they're willing to take that next step and follow him in baptism. And I have to tell you, it's, it's a life-changing event. And if you've never, ever been baptized after putting your faith in Jesus, this is something that you don't wanna miss. You wanna experience it. So on the weekend of January 27th and 28th, we're going to be baptizing in all of our weekend services here at Plymouth. And, and this weekend, if you'd like to be a part of that, you can get your questions answered, you can sign up, you can decide if you're going to be a part of that by going into the lobby and talking to the people there. And, I really do hope you make the decision. And for the rest of us, we can't wait to see you take that step. And I promise you it'll be a celebration that none of us will forget. What a great way to start a new year. Well, good morning, Northridge Church. How y'all doing this morning? Good morning, welcome, yeah. First weekend in 2018, you're batting 1,000. You hadn't missed church yet. Only 51 more Sundays to go. We're glad you're here. My name is Colston, and I have the privilege of serving here at Northridge Church as the campus pastor out in Grozeal. So I wanna say good morning to my family, friends out there, as well as Bright and Celine, those of you online, those of you in Plymouth. Man, I am pumped for you to be here. I'm, I'm excited for this weekend. How many of you are excited for a brand new year? Like each new year, you're like, you're like, Lord, thank you, Jesus, 2017 is over, we're moving into a new year. You're excited, you see the new year as a new opportunity, a blank slate for all that could be, the possibilities are endless, and it pumps you up, you're excited. And I try personally to have that kind of attitude going into a brand new year, I get really excited, I get pumped up about what could be, forgetting about some of the things that happened the last year and looking forward. It's a great time. And I know, however, there's not all of you that respond to the new year that way, that excited. I actually saw a meme this, this last week online that I thought may resonate with some of you. Um, as you noticed, the little dude goes into 2016, walks through the door, and 2016 knocks him around a little bit. Then he comes back, 2017, flings open the door, gets knocked around a little bit. Then there's the door to 2018. He's got a smile on his face, but he's wounded. He's been beat up a little bit, and he put it on his boxing gloves, saying, come on, 2018. Whatever you got, I'm coming for you, I'm ready. And I know for some of you, the 2017, you walked in maybe some of the darkest days of your life this last year. Maybe for some of you, there was an event that took place that just rocked your world. Or you went through a very dark, painful season. Whatever 2017 was, the good news is 2018 is here. And you can change your perspective a little bit on that. And again, I thought, I try to have a positive outlook on the new year, 
despite what I've experienced in the past. And just to give you a little taste of what my new year's been like, uh, a couple days after we celebrated the new year, uh, my family and I, we, I have two little kids, a two and a half year old and a five year old, and we, we've been stir crazy. The weather, I just, I can't comprehend. I'm from Texas, and, and, and this, is, this is, I mean, hell's hot, but this is like right up there with it. I mean, this is miserable. This is miserable, so we're stir crazy. So we decide uh, to drive 45 minutes an hour north uh, to go to Chick-fil-A. Yes, because I live down river and we have to drive an hour to get to anywhere nice to eat. So we, <laughs> sorry, Grozeal. Hey, you know it's true, you know it's true. So we drive to Chick-fil-A, being from the south, that's like right next to Jesus. So we, we go and eat Chick-fil-A. My family, we decide to walk around the mall for a little bit. and. And we're having a good time, just enjoying being out. And, and then 3.30 comes. And now for most of you, 3.30 means absolutely nothing other than there's about an hour and a half left of the workday, an hour left, and you can get out of here, go home. But for those of us with toddlers, 3.30 is the witching hour. <laughs> now that may be 2.30, 2 o'clock, but there's a witching hour for every toddler, and 3.30 was ours. And like I said, we're only a couple days into the new year. I mean, I haven't missed a day of devotions yet. I've prayed every day. Me and Jesus are like this. I mean, we are close. And so we, we went for it. We ignored the warning signs. We ignored the, the opportunity we had to put our little toddler down for a nap, and we just went for it. It was a big mistake. About 3.30, my, my, my two-and-a-half-year-old, Willa Grace, she starts to... She starts to whine, and that whine turns into a consistent crying, and that crying turns into wailing. Next thing you know, there's clothes and other things being tossed out of the buggy left and right, and we're just walking through the mall, and all of these people are judging us. <laughs> because my, my, my daughter's throwing the worst fit I, she's ever thrown in her life in this moment like screams that no child should scream. And I, again, I, I was confident I was with Jesus in this moment. I knew he's bigger than this problem. And she, I, I get her out of the cart because we just surrendered to the situation. We knew that we weren't going to win. So we, we get her out of the buggy and, and immediately I pull her out to put the coat on her because you, it's miserable outside and every good parent puts a coat on and immediately she just stiffens her body all of her limbs go super stiff, and then she just looks at me and lets out like this, I hate you, scream. She's two and a half, and all of these people are just walking by laughing and judging. I, I, I get a couple sympathy nods from a couple dads that walk by like they know my pain, and, and there's just nothing we can do about it. I look at my wife, and we just start laughing. We laugh because there is literally nothing we can do to control the chaos that is ensuing in our hands. There's no amount of manipulating my child. She wants nothing. She wants to be miserable and let everyone be miserable with her. And that's, that situation is like two days into the new year. Like I said, I try to be positive. I try to look forward to like what's, I'm like, oh man, if this is an indication of what's coming, but the, that story reminds me of this reality that we live in, and that's that life, so much of life is beyond our control, that we cannot control life circumstances. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like dumb choices you make to burn the toast, you know? I'm talking about life circumstances. Like you cannot control life circumstances. You ever tried to control another human being? 
I know, wives, you try. It's just not working for you, is it? You can't control the grades that your high school student gets. You can't control whether or not you get that promotion or that raise. You can't control how your spouse treats you. You can't control the report the doctor is gonna give you next week when you show up. So much of our lives are out of our control. But the one thing we can control is our response to those things. We have the ability to choose how we respond to so many things that are beyond us. And our response to those things is a reflection of our heart and a reflection of our faith. How we respond in the midst of chaos is a reflection of what's here. And, and our tendency, and my tendency, your tendency, a human tendency is to respond in chaos and turmoil out of fear, not out of faith. That's human. When, when things are beyond our control and they're overwhelming and they seem to be crushing and pressing down on us, our tendency is to respond in fear, not in faith. And fear has a way of screwing with us, does it not? Like, I mean, it messes with our minds. I know for me personally, fear, fear has a way of skewing my perspective of what is going on. I can see a problem that's this big, but because of fear, that problem feels like this big, right? Fear has a way of telling me that this problem is too big, that this problem's gonna win, that there's no way to overcome this. Fear, for some of us, has a way to immobilize us because the situation, the circumstance is so great, so big, we freeze. There's no progress. We feel like we can't move and we get stuck in this cycle of, of anxiety and worry and distress and we're done. We can't move. Fear also... Fear also has a way of affecting our thoughts and our beliefs. It has a way to motivate us to think that God doesn't love us or doesn't care, that God's not present. That, that we walk into life circumstances that are beyond our control. We, would, we have a tendency to think sometimes because of fear that God doesn't love us. And if he did, he wouldn't let us feel this. He wouldn't let us go through this. Fear has a way of messing with the, what we know to be true. Fear, fear has a way of messing up our minds, our beliefs, but it also, it also has a way to motivate us to make unwise, ungodly choices. For some of us, like I said, fear, we, we, we freeze. Like, it, we don't move. There's no progress. And in certain situations, that's how I've been. I, I, I'm immobilized. But, but honestly, a lot of times, the majority of times, what happens when a, a circumstance, a situation comes over, into my life that I'm, I'm fearful of, what I do is I try to take control of the situation. Like I try to manipulate the circumstances in the situation to change the outcome. Like I, I think that I have the power and the ability and the wisdom and the smarts to, to, to wrangle and wrestle the situation to the ground into submission so that the outcome is better for me. I, because I don't know the future, I make a lot of decisions in the moment, thinking that I can fix this, that I can overcome this, that I can get out from underneath the pain. And I have no idea how those decisions are gonna affect me down the road. So I, I make a bunch of unwise, ungodly choices because I think I can wrestle this thing to the ground. And when I do that, you know what happens? That fear also brings on a level of stress and worry, a, a burden. It's almost like I'm in chain. I, I'm in prison to this fear. Fear has a way of messing with us and so many deep-rooted issues. And our tendency, when life circumstances come, our tendency is to, to choose faith, fear over faith. 
But my hope, my prayer for you this year, and as you walk into 2018, no matter what event or what circumstance or season you just walked out of in 2017, my prayer for you this year in 2018 is that you don't choose fear, but you choose faith. Because you don't have to choose fear. Like that doesn't have to be your response to circumstances. You have the ability to choose faith over fear. And my hope today is to share with you a very simple truth that will motivate you and encourage you to choose faith over fear. So that your heart and you walk into these circumstances knowing who you are and whose you are. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 14 is where we're gonna be. Open up your phones, flip open your tablets. Exodus chapter 14 is where we're gonna be today. And the truth that I want you to, to understand, that you, I want you to see that's very simple but has the ability to motivate us and encourage us to choose faith over fear is the simple truth that God is present in all of our circumstances. Like no matter what you walk into, no matter what's behind the door of 2018, God is present there. No matter how you feel, no matter how scared you are, no matter how big the circumstances are, God is present in it. Exodus chapter 14 is showing us this truth. So to give you a little backstory of what's happening here, okay? Exodus chapter 14, for some of us, we know this story as the, the, the space where God parted the Red Sea and the nation of Israel walked across and, and God delivered them from the Egyptians. So God has a, a group of people called the nation of Israel, the Israelites. They're his chosen people. And God had set aside this group of people for a, a very specific purpose. He set this group of people aside to show his glory to the entire world. He wants his glory exposed all throughout the world. So he sets aside a group of people that are to be faithful, to trust him, to follow him, to be obedient, and he can use them, he can lead them, guide them, bless them, and that will show the entire world that he is the one true God. As we know, it's very difficult, as you read the Bible at any point in time, even in our own lives, to be faithful to this all-powerful, perfect God. And the nation of Israel struggled to be faithful to him. So God allowed the nation of Israel to walk into Egypt he protected them, led them into Egypt. They stayed for a while, and then they became slaves in Egypt. The Bible tells us, and theologians believe that they were in Egypt for roughly 400 years. 400 years of, of serving someone other than their God. 400 years of not having a place to worship their God. 400 years of really just surviving, not living. 400 years of praying for deliverance that God would show up, and then he does. God sets aside this guy named Moses, an unlikely character, God sets aside Moses and uses Moses, the 10 plagues, a lot of death, a lot of destruction to, to, to move the nation of Israel out of slavery and into the desert to worship him. Exodus chapter 12 says that there's about 600 men or so that, that, are, are, that are leaving, Israelites leaving Egypt. That doesn't include women, that includes children, doesn't include their donkeys, their, their possessions, their dogs, because they left all the cats in Egypt. They, there, this was no small feat. And, and God allowed roughly estimated about two million plus people to move out of, the, out of captivity into the desert to worship him. And when God moves them out, he has no intentions of them going back to slavery. He has no intentions of them going back to Egypt. And God was present with them every step of the way. During the day, he would be there with a cloud and lead them by the cloud at night it would be a pillar of fire so that they always knew that he was in front of them, that he was leading them. He was always present. And God leads the nation out of, out of Egypt. He leads them into the desert and he leads them into this very precarious situation. They're, they're walking through the desert and they come right up to the edge of the Red Sea. 
All they see in front of them is water. To their left is a mountain range. To their right, another mountain range. If you will, they're kind of in this valley. Two million plus people, women, children, possessions, animals, dogs, they're all there. There's nowhere to go but back. And what you find in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, this is where we find, pick up the story. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They cried out to him. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt, no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you that to leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. This is their response to a situation that, that seemed, that, seemed that, that, that it was gonna conquer them. What you see in this moment is a whole nation of Israel responding in fear. They're responding in fear to, to a circumstance that's bigger than themselves that they cannot control. It's in this moment, I want you to notice how, how their response of fear, how it skewed their perception of reality. Notice he says, the nation says, did you bring us out here to die because there was no graves in Egypt? Where had they been the last 400 years? In Egypt? Were there graves in Egypt for being there for 400 years? Yes. It, fear had skewed their perception of reality. It, like it had messed with their minds. Notice how, how they talked about that, that there was no way out. That God had led them this entire way and all they could think of is that they were gonna be destroyed. Death was the only option for them. Sometimes fear has a way of making the past look like paradise in the middle of chaos. They would have rather gone backwards and be slaves than to be present with God in the desert. They would have rather gone backwards to what was known than be with God in the unknown. Fear had overwhelmed them. It had, notice how they treated Moses. This is all your fault. You let us out here. Did you, do you really want us to die? Notice how fear, how fear has a tendency to reject the very person that God puts in charge. The leader that God has established, they begin to reject the leader. It, it messed with, with the way that they thought, the way that they see. And guess what? God was with them the whole time. That pillar of cloud was there. At night, the, the fire was there. They had witnessed God do all of these miracles. They witnessed, they had witnessed the 10 plagues. They had seen God show up time and time again. He had been faithful to them this entire time. And the moment that they feel like the situation's too big, the moment they saw the army coming after them, their response was fear, not faith. And, and if I'm honest, I judged them. Like when I read this story, I judged them. How in the world can you respond in fear? Like, God is physically, I mean, there's a cloud. That's God. He's there for you. How in the world are you scared? He shows up in fire by night. He's done all this stuff for you. He's been faithful to you this entire time. How in the world is fear even possible? How is that an option? And I look down on them. Like, I, I judge them for having weak faith and being scaredy cats. But if I'm honest... I'm a lot more like the Israelites than I'd like to admit. See, my family, over the last uh, probably eight, nine years, we've been walking through this, um, this situation. This, uh, this situation has some extreme highs and extreme lows. 
And, and anytime that there's extreme high in this situation in my extended family, man, I'm praising God. I'm giving him glory. I, I'm so thankful, God, for, for the way you're handling this and you're giving us victory. Lord, I'm praising you for it. I, I, I'm so thankful. But then I get the phone call of the setback. I get a call that things have gone backwards. And in those moments, I don't always respond in faith. Early on in this situation, I tried to control it and I thought I could line up a couple things, a couple situations, I could fix it and kind of rig the system to where we could make it happen and it would work out. That was years ago, I'm done doing that. Because we'll get some victory, we'll, get, we'll, we'll have extreme high and then there's always a disappointment. And I would love to tell you as a pastor that I always respond in faith, but I don't. The reality is, especially now, years and years into it, it's almost harder sometimes to respond in faith. Because I'm scared, I'm scared that the situation is gonna win, if I'm just transparent with you. I'm scared that, that it's, it's not gonna go the way that I want it to go. And that's not just a story to make this talk feel better and relate to you, that's real life, that's my family, it's what we, it's been us. I think you and I, we're a lot more like the Israelites than we ever wanna admit sometimes. That even though God has been present with us and he's blessed us and we've seen his hand at work in our lives time and time again, we still have a tendency to choose fear over faith. But as, as Moses responds to the nation of Israel, as he responds to their fear, he paints a picture of what it looks like to respond in faith. Because it's one thing, hey, respond in faith over fear. Cool, thanks, pastor. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. So much easier said than done. I get it, I, I get it. In Moses' response, we get a picture of what it means and what it looks like to respond in faith. And he also gives us, I believe, an opportunity of how we can do that. How do we step in by faith to these situations? So let's look at his response. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. It's a powerful word spoken by the leader who is being blamed from all this mess. In the, in, in the midst, in the eyes of all these people who are full, full of fear, Moses responds, don't be afraid, stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. I want you to notice when we choose faith over fear, what, we, what that means to us, what's happening is that we are trusting that God has a plan. We are trusting that God has a plan. What does it look like to have faith in and not fear? It means that you're trusting that whatever comes your way, that God has a plan. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Fear has a way of, of thinking that we shouldn't experience or that God doesn't love us or doesn't care about us if we're experiencing these difficult circumstances. But faith says that I'm trusting that God has a plan in this. It doesn't make sense. If you're the nation of Israel, God just led you into a death trap. That's what you see. And for some of you, that's what you think too. That there's no way out, there's no way over these circumstances, that this situation is bigger than anything you can think or imagine or conceive. And the reality is that very well may be true. Because God's plans aren't our plans. 
His ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. But we are trusting that no matter how big or how difficult or how painful the circumstances that we're walking into, God has a plan for this. That's responding by faith. The next thing I want you to notice as he, respond, as he talks about it, that when we choose faith over fear, that means that we have confidence that he is fighting for us. Stand firm, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. God is gonna give you victory. Confidence that he is fighting. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Fear has a way of eroding our confidence that God cares and is doing something. But responding in faith says that no matter what we go through, God is ultimately about his glory. So his plan, somehow, some way, even if it doesn't make sense to us, is gonna bring him glory and it's for our good. It, it may not feel good, it may not be good in human standing and understanding, but God is fighting for each and every single one of us. He is fighting for you. He is fighting for me. What shall we say then, Romans 8, 31? If God is for us, who can be against us? Confidence is knowing whose I am in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the struggle. Responding in faith knows, is telling me that God has a plan for this and no matter how bad or how difficult, I know that he is fighting for me through this process. That he has a purpose, a plan in this. I may not see it, I may not understand it, but I'm trusting that he has it. The next thing I want you to notice is how Moses says in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. Faith over fear means that we're expecting the victory is gonna come that we're expecting the victory gonna come. Now, hear me, hear me. I am not telling you that if you name it and claim it, that everything's gonna go well for you. That, that, that if, you, if you have enough faith, that everything's gonna be peaches and cream. I am not saying that at all. What I'm telling you is this, is that God is the one who gives victory. No matter how hard you fight, no matter how much you try to manipulate the circumstance, no matter how much you try to change the outcome, God is the one who gives victory. And listen to me, victory in God's economy is not always victory in our economy. Our prayers and what we ask for typically are comfort and peace and for things to go better for us physically, emotionally, financially. Like we want to make our lives better. That's, and we assume that God's victory means life's easier for us. That's a broken assumption. God is all about his glory. That's most important. But we're expecting that victory will come. He's promised it, and he's never broken a promise to this point. And when we trust that he has a plan, that he is fighting for us, and that victory will come, guess who's in charge of the situation? God is. Guess who's not? Me. Who's responsible for the outcome in those moments? God, not me. And if I'm not responsible, for the outcomes, if I'm not responsible for the victory, then I don't have to control nothing. Guess what? There's a lot of freedom in that. Like there's a lot of worry and anxiety and stress that's relieved when I, when I don't feel responsible for trying to make it better for myself, that I trust that God has a plan and that he's fighting for me and that victory is coming. But I want you to understand, listen, he says I will fight for you, you only need to be still. This idea of being still is not in action. This is not you sitting with your arms crossed, twiddling your thumbs, saying, okay, God, you deal with this. I'm just gonna chill out and let you do your thing. This, this idea of being still before the Lord is not getting in front of him, not taking control and trying to change things, but letting him work. 
This idea of being still is expectantly being patient, waiting for him to do what God does. And when he says move, you move. When he says be still, you be still. Being still before the Lord, waiting for him to move. This is, this is still a call to obedience. See, God parted the Red Sea. The nation of Israel still had to follow. They still had to walk through on dry ground. Obedience is never off the table in the midst of chaos when you're waiting on God. This isn't in action, so don't hear that. But God's victory doesn't always come the way that we want it to. It's not packaged neatly and nicely, and it's not immediate. Because if we're honest, our prayers, we, we expect something like now. Like I, I want my daughter to stop kicking and screaming now. I don't pray for 10 minutes down the road, I want it now. But God's timing is God's timing. And because he is good, he is faithful. His plan can be trusted. He is fighting for you and victory will come. That's what it looks like to respond in faith. So now the big question, how? How do you and I, how do we choose faith over fear? Moses in, in Exodus chapter 13, 14, excuse me, verse 13, he says, do not be afraid, stand firm. Stand firm. Moses commands the nation of Israel to not be afraid. Have you ever tried to command someone's emotions? Don't feel this way. Don't feel that way. Stop feeling like this. I have a five-year-old, and um, we're in a season of my five-year-old's life right now where she is terrified to walk into the, a room that doesn't have a light on. And, and so every time we tell her to go brush her teeth or every time she needs to use the bathroom, she needs someone, mommy, daddy, come flip on the light for us. And so mom, dad, we get to be the hero in this moment. We walk over, flip on the light, and as soon as the light comes on, the fear's gone. And, and that sounds kind of cute, like, oh, dad gets to be the hero. You know how annoying it is <laughs> to walk into every room of your house where, where your daughter wants to go to just to flip on a light switch to go back to what you were doing? You know how long it takes to do the dishes when you have to flip on five lights in the house? It sounds cute, it's obnoxious. But her fear is real that, and it's not even that she's afraid of the dark, that's what's so frustrating, it's stop it! No matter how many times I tell her not to be afraid, it doesn't work. But the moment that I walk over and flip the light switch on, the light comes on, it's gone, it's gone. Standing firm. Standing firm is this idea that you are planted, you are rooted in who God is. Because listen to me, listen to me very closely. Who you believe God to be will determine how you respond. Who you believe God to be will determine how you respond to him and to life circumstances. Who you believe God to be will determine how you respond to life circumstances to him. And so this command that Moses says to stand firm the idea of not being afraid to stand firm is that he is rooted, that we are rooted in who God is, that he is present. Notice this, if you read the Bible, if you study or, or just even Google fear not, do not be afraid, this, this command from God, every time, you know what you're gonna find in scripture every time God says do not be afraid or fear not? You're gonna find an attribute of God wrapped closely behind the call not to be afraid. That's exactly what Moses says, do not be afraid, God is here, he is present and, and he's gonna fight for you. 
Listen, Genesis 15, one, fear not, I am your shield. Genesis 26, 24, fear not, for I'm with you. Isaiah 35, four, fear not, I will save you. Isaiah 41, 14, fear not, I'm the one who helps you. Daniel 10, 12, fear not, you have been heard. Matthew 10, 31, fear not, you are loved and valuable. Uh, Revelation 1, 17, fear not, I am eternal. Every time God says, do not be afraid, he says, you're not afraid and you, you don't have to choose fear because of who I am. I'm here, I'm present, I have a plan for your life, I have, I'm fighting for you, the victory is coming, I'm giving it to you, but you gotta stand firm in who he is, because who, God, who you believe God to be will determine how you respond to him. And each and every single one of us here today, we have a step to take. 2 Peter 3, 18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever that every single one of us have a step to take to grow in our faith and understanding of who God is. That you stand firm, planted in the promises of who God is, so that no matter what stands behind the door of 2018, no matter what situation, circumstance, or season you walk into, you can choose faith because you know without a shadow of a doubt God is there, that he has a plan for you, that he is fighting for you, and that victory is going to come. So each and every single one of us here today, Brighton, Celine, Groziel, online, we have steps to take. I don't care how long you've been walking with God and doing this whole faith thing. You, some of you have been doing it longer than I've been alive. And guess what? You have to grow in your faith and understanding of who God is. For some of you today, the step to stand firm is simply to place your faith, hope, and trust in this person, Jesus Christ. See, see, God has been fighting for you and you didn't even know it because he fought for you through his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent to this earth to bridge the gap between you and God so that you could have a personal relationship with him. In the moment, you didn't even realize he was fighting for you. In this moment, what you need to come to understand is that because of your brokenness, your sin, that there's distance between you and him. And that because of what Jesus did for you on the cross by giving up his life, he bridges the gap between you and God and you have to step by faith that he saved you, forgives you, and redeems you. Planting firm in the person of who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. And for some of us, we need to it's time to take a step into knowing God. You, some of you, you show up once or twice a month to weekend services and you think that like coming to church a couple times a month is good enough to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God. Can I encourage you? Make 2018 a year where you take that further. Don't just make it once or twice a week. Make it every week. For some of you been coming here anonymously sitting in the back so nobody knows you, I see you, it's okay. You're loved. But it's time for you to step into an environment here at Northridge to get engaged. We work so hard to provide spaces where you can grow in your knowledge and understanding that you can wake up to Jesus, know his truth, experience his love. We're in a season where we're fixing to start starting point. And if you're new to this church faith thing, that's a space for you to step in and grow in your knowledge and understanding. For some of you, it's getting involved into a men's group, a women's group, into a community group. Find a space. This program that we give you as you walk in every single week is not just for your gum. This is to show you what goes on. Hey, it's real life. I know you. I know you. We pick these up. This shows you what we have going on. We, we, we work hard to provide space and environments for you to grow in your knowledge and understanding. And for some of you, it's time to step into that. It's time for you to step into that. 
So no matter where you are, whether you're Plymouth, online, Grozeal, would you just do this for me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Because I wanna pray for you and I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you. For some of you today, that step you need to take is to be planted firm in the person of who Jesus is. And in your heart, in your life, what you need to do right now in this moment is surrender everything to him. So in your heart, wherever you are, I want you to cry out to God and God, I know that, I know that I'm broken. I know that my sin separates me. God, I'm asking for your forgiveness. Just however you need to say that to him, say it to him right now. But God, I, I, I believe, I choose to believe that you love me and that Jesus made a way possible through the cross so that I could have a relationship with you. However you need to say that in your heart. And tell him right now in this moment, Lord, I surrender. Like I give you control of my life to be my Lord. All across the room, if that's where you're at, just pray, cry that out in your heart. For the rest of us, with heads bowed and eyes closed, my hope, my prayer for you in 2018 is that 2018 is a year of faith, not a year of fear. But in order to do that, you're gonna have to stand firm. So you're gonna need to make some commitments to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who God is so that you can stand firm and choose faith. In the silence that is now, whatever commitments you need to make before you, between you and God to grow in your faith and knowledge of him, do so right now. Spend some time talking to him, committing that you are gonna grow in your knowledge and understanding of him. Father God, we come before you. God, so thankful for the truth of who you are, that you are present in all of our situations, in all of our circumstances. God, we, we're so thankful that you have a plan, even when it doesn't make sense, even when your plan seems to hurt. God, we praise you and we thank you for that. God, that you're fighting for us and that, that you are gonna give victory. God, I pray for each and every one of us across all of our campuses online. God, I pray that as we move into this year that we will make the commitments and stick with them to grow in our faith and our knowledge so that we can be standing firm no matter what life has to throw at us. God, I pray that we will take those steps and we'll give you praise and give you glory as we watch you work, as we watch you fight, as we watch you give us victory. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace in our lives. It's in Christ's name, amen. Listen to me, some of you, it's time to make a decision. You made a commitment before you and God right now to walk and to grow. Now it's time to make that commitment and step forward. There's spaces on here to sign up to get involved. Go to our website. For some of you, you prayed for the first time to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. There's a connection card here. Here's the deal. That connection card is our way to know who you are. As a church, as a faith family, our desire is to love you well and to help you grow in your understanding and knowledge of who God is. But here's the deal, we'll never force ourselves on you. But if you give us permission to love you, we're gonna do everything we can to love you well. And one of the things, we, we have a prayer team down front. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. Take that card, fill it out. If you're at our campuses, drop it in the boxes. If you're online, hit the what's next button. Our desire is to love you well and help you grow in your knowledge and understanding who God is. But you gotta take a step. Identify yourself. So let us know how we can do that best. Northridge Church, 2018. 2018, I hope and I pray for you 
for myself, for all of us, that this is a year of faith, not fear. That we trust that no matter what we go through, God has a plan, confident that he is fighting, expecting he's gonna give us victory. We will stand firm in who our God is, no matter what life throws at us. Northridge Church, have a wonderful new year. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys next weekend.